Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. I'm Andy Davis, and in this podcast, I will interview the people working in the data center sector and tell their stories. If you are working in the DC sector or you are looking to work in the sector, then this is a podcast for you. Welcome to the Inside Data Center podcast. Today, I'm joined by Richard Dent, sector lead for APAC at DataX Connect. Morning, Richard. Morning, Andy. How are you? Well, thanks. Bit of a busman's holiday, this one. Speaking yeah, to Rich. I know, I know. yeah. Quite a lot. Oh, exactly. I thought it'd be beneficial for the listeners to hear, obviously, about the data center sector from a recruitment perspective. Obviously, that is my day job. That is our day job. So I think we can shed a bit of light on what it's like to recruit in, in each of the regions we work in. And obviously, being that you're our lead for the APAC region, I thought that was a good place to start. Before we go into it, you just want to give a quick intro of who you are and what you do. Yeah, I'm um, Richard, uh, Richard Dent. I'm father of two, living in a small town in the south of England. Um, I'm 25 years in construction and property recruitment, um, covering UK and Asia. Um, like Andy said, I head up the APAC region for DataX, and I'm responsible for growing the region. That's about well, small. T- from a small town in, in Dorset. So you can work in, in these international locations from the UK. What I always like to do is go back to the start of your career. So before we go into the APAC region, do you just want to explain how you started in recruitment and how you ended up recruiting in the data centre sector? Yeah. So where did I start? I started I started doing a trade and labour desk in Southampton. Um, moved through a few companies then sort of settled a, a large a large recruitment business, um, doing freelance, um, was a team leader, had sort of five or six reports, um, really successful. Um, and then uh, things got a little bit dicey in the UK um, and I went to, went to Hong Kong, um, spent five years in Hong Kong, which was uh, amazing, it was good. Um, you know, gave me what I'm what I'm doing now. Really, um, had to come back to the UK for family reasons, and yeah, sort of towards the start of 2021, some more and more DC requirements, data centre requirements coming through, um, and and sort of at the same time, UK was suffering from the COVID lockdowns. Um, I turned more of my um, Asia contacts back on. Um, that I'd sort of cultivated during my time in Hong Kong, um, uh, and that's really it. I got, I was getting along with the other, other bits that I was doing, of sort of banking, leisure, um, projects, um, retail projects, commercial projects, airports, things like that. I was getting more and more data center um, business. Um, at the same time, I saw Andy. Um, online was posting more and more about data centers and saw that they were specialists. So I sort of picked up the phone, really. Um, that was it. We, we exchanged a few messages. Andy forgot I'd worked in Hong Kong. Um, uh, and that's 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 why I came at date started at DataX. So we actually worked together many moons ago in a, in a different life. Um, so my memory was uh, was fairly blurred from, from that period. <laughs> what was it blurred? <laughs> One point long I wanted That's it, because it was so long ago. One point I wanted to pick up on was the fact that you relocated to Hong Kong. Obviously, 
it's something we deal with you know quite regularly people moving to new locations so i just wondered what it was like from your perspective moving from the uk to hong kong how did you deal with the cultural differences was there anything you particularly you know any advice you'd give to people who are going through the same no just embrace it enjoy it enjoy the the differences um <clears throat> It's not until, and I know you've travelled, Andy, but it's not until you do that and, and immerse yourself in a different culture that you kind of almost grow as a person. You know, you get more, more rounded, um, seeing many more cultures, just living day to day in that culture was, was fantastic. It was great. Um, you know, some similarities, some big differences, great to deal with. And have friends that are expats, but also have friends that are from Hong Kong, from China, from all over, all over the region. You know, as you might might know from Hong Kong, it's quite a, it's very central to Asia. Um, big cultural melting pot, not just um, not just Westerners and Chinese Hong Kong people. Um, <clears throat> there's a big French contingent. There's a big Indian population there there's uh, quite a lot of german uh, you know right across the board really so it was great you know it was really opened my eyes and and really doing business there was different to well it was it was becoming different from doing business in the uk business in the uk had shifted more a lot more in-house a lot more um, signing up to um, sort of uh, uh, signing, you had to sign up to be able to deal with a lot of the companies. Um, whereas Hong Kong and and now is and Asia still is. It's not about who you're signed up with and what terms you're signed up with, and you can only work with them. It is still about your relationships that you can build. So it's 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 golden really. Great advice. And I think, you know, embracing it is a, is an excellent way to look at it as well, because you can obviously go into it with an opinion, but if you just embrace it and roll with it, you'll, you'll get a lot more out of it. Yeah. 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 Going to the APAC region specifically then, as, as we're already there now, we're, we're, we're in Hong Kong. Um, obviously the market is booming at the moment and there's a lot of reports coming out all the time about, you know, 2021 was a, one of the busiest year ever. There's more, data centers coming online every quarter. So I just wanted to touch on it and get your insights from the work you're doing in the region at the moment. But to start with, you know, how busy is the APAC region? So to start with, and it's not, I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a figure that it's, it's sort of widely known, but the actual Asia Pacific region has 60% of the world's population. So that, that amounts to, at the moment, I think 4.3 billion people in that region. That sort of tells you what, why it's busy, you know, the population's so big. If you look at the geography as well, um, it's very different to Europe. It's, it's it, apart from China being in there, it's a lot of, um, it's quite disconnected, Um you know, some are very connected, but there's a lot of disconnect as well. And the region, you know, if you think Beijing down to Sydney, um, uh, you know, across to Mumbai, it's a, it's a it's a massive region. Lots of time time zone differences. Um, yeah, it's uh, one that always gets me is the languages. The amount of languages that are spoken. 
exactly. I don't know how many, but you 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 see on people. I, I see on people's CVs all the time. They speak Cantonese. They speak Mandarin. They'll speak Basra. You know, obviously English. Um, you know, there's four languages straight away, um, and that's you know, that's across the region really. A bit like I, I guess a bit like Europe, where they'll speak French, English, maybe German as well, another language, Italian. But yeah. It's it's the languages. I guess the hotspots that uh, I'm dealing with at the moment, Japan's really busy for me, um, and Indonesia. Those are the two, I would say, big growth areas. Apart from apart from India, um, those are the sort of big growth areas in the region. I was reading a report this morning about Tokyo and Shanghai, you know, kind of the, the scale of the you know, increase in capacity in those regions is consistent. But then you've got obviously the, like you say, the Indonesia, um, the Philippines, which I think, again, I was reading that there's some of the US hyperscalers are now looking at the Philippines. So you've got all these micro regions outside of the main hubs that are expanding at such a massive pace. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I think, um, uh, you know, it's um, certainly Indonesia. It's it, it's kind of a it, in terms of technology, it's it's a it's a it's almost a, um, a it's a definite massive growth market. You know, people are only just getting mobile phones there, um, so you can imagine the potential right across Indonesia. You know, you you you, you know there you can be growing. Um, you, you can be building a data center in the jungle or you can be building it in the urban jungle. You know, that's how uh, that's how wide it is. Yeah, and again, I think e-commerce is a big driver in those regions as well. You know, I think we don't realize in the West that in, in Indonesia and Philippines and, and regions like that, they literally buy everything with their mobile phone, basically. You know, everything is bought via e-commerce. You know, it's very little cash and they will buy They'll have multiple transactions at a much lower rate, whereas in the West we're more higher transactions, uh, you know, at a large amount when we when we're talking e-commerce. So you know they're buying their you know drink in the shop through via e-commerce, which is something that's going to shift a lot of the usage uh, to those regions. Yeah, yeah, and and touching on e-commerce, this is why we're seeing a lot of a lot of businesses that have been historically in the logistics market are now moving also to the data center market because it's so aligned. Yeah, and I was going to touch on that, kind of the type of organizations that you're, we're seeing activity from at the moment. Obviously, you know, we, we deal with the whole um, spectrum of the data center sector from, from the operators, the contractors, the consultants, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, where are you seeing most of the activity at present? Most of my activity is um, real, estate invest, real estate investment platforms, um, operators, service providers, contractors, and, and PM consultancies right across the board. I think from a development perspective as well, what we're seeing, and this is global, I think, is there's a lot of new entrants into the markets and new money into the data center sector. Is that something that you're kind of seeing at the moment? Massive, and that's where I'm getting most of most of the most of my success, really. I know a lot of that, and you touched on it a minute ago. A lot of these real estate developers that are from the you know, retail or manufacturing or those sectors are now looking to invest into the data center market. Yeah, 
yeah, it just it's just aligned. Um, you know, and I guess from a physical a physical point of view, um, they're in places that already have the power, already have the the logistical. You know, you can get there. There's rail links, there's road links, so it kind of almost makes sense that those properties or those pieces of land that they've got. They can be either they're a, they're an industrial piece of land, so they can either be a data centre, they can either be a uh, a logistics a, a, a logistics hub, um, and they can go vice versa. You know, you, you you can, you know, we see some projects turning logistics um, logistics parks into data centres. So when they're coming to you for people yeah. or requirements, you know. These these developers, these new developers that are entering the market, you know, what what specifically are they really looking for? And are they you know very much targeted at, at people with that data center experience because they don't have it in, at present? Yeah, they they're, they're looking for people with data data center experience. Um, you know, um, <clears throat> they don't have it. They need that experience in. I'm sure that will change as as the businesses grow. Um, certain specialities you know MEP backgrounds um with critical critical um critical systems experience that will that will transfer over but at the moment yeah got to be data center experience a lot of the requirements I guess is again just to try and paint a picture for the listeners yeah, and within yeah. that that development land acquisition side of it because obviously they're they're kind of new to the market and they're looking at opening up or developing data centers yeah yeah it's right from you know connectivity connectivity roles site selection roles business development roles right through to sort of um leaders business leaders for that for that particular country someone that's got um you know say japan good japan experience speak japanese obviously a local japanese good english been in data centers they're they're prime for these people and i always say i think it, it always paints a picture when people say to me oh is this a boom is this a bubble etc etc which i get asked quite a lot most of our requirements in these new locations are land acquisition development sales business development it's early stage roles early stage if role. that tells you that this market is going to continue for quite a while because they would not be investing the funds they are into these new startups in these roles if they didn't see a, a long-term future yeah that's right you know and i get almost uh, some of them come and the brief is right please can you go and concentrate on a certain certain location certain country i just want to know data center talents within that region within that country and then we'll go from there almost it's almost show me what you've got rather than we need everything but show me what you can get and what we can get and what's available in country and then the, and then rather than having a job spec to give me the job spec comes from what the candidate can do what they need to be filled in it and it goes from there so you could have a guy that's you know um, done site selection and sales but He's good enough then to be a lead that lead that business and be able to do all of those things as well. You know, if he's the number one guy in, he needs to be able to sell. He needs to be able to, you know, grow a business. Um, you know, he needs to be able to select the sites. He needs to know about the connectivity and the power. 
on all of this. So, yeah, it's it's someone that someone that might wear many hats, but then they all grow the business from there. Yeah, and I think, and a lot of clients do come to us, and they, they do say we're considering entering this region. What talent is available? And I, again, that's something that people probably don't realise. You know, it's a major investment decision for for these developers and these platforms, and they need to know, like you just said, that the talent is available and the skills are there before they invest tens or hundreds of millions of pounds into that a facility in that geography. Yeah, and certainly some geographies, if they've not heard of a business or they're a little bit wary. You know, or they know that oh, they've only got they've only they've only been they're only just breaking into data centres. Why would I want to join them? You know, they they we know them for logistics, or we know them for something else. You know, uh, and it's that's that's another that's another difficulty. You know, trying to convince people that actually these guys are going to be, you know, they're, they're serious about it. They're not just fishing. And I think that's very much cultural as well, isn't it? Because again, like dealing globally, like we do, you see the nuances in different regions and Asia is very much like that. They need that security. They need that reassurance that, you know, this is a, like you say, a serious organisation and it's not a flash in the pan that someone's going to come in and go before, you know, before they've even started. Yeah, especially if they've been a long time with their company. Yeah, definitely. And on skills, obviously, again, you know, questions we're asked all the time by, by listeners and, and by people we work with is, you know, what skills are in most demand? So from an APAC perspective, obviously it's a huge region, but are there any particular skills that everybody wants and they really struggle to find? Yeah, I think I think um, uh, sort of on the operation side, you know, very much the engineering, technical manager type roles, they're, they're particularly difficult, um, you know, and then you layer on a location difficulty then you layer on a visa issue um if they're there um then you layer on again um you know whether they've got the right um professional qualification yeah so you go through many different levels especially on the engineering side to get to these people you know and and quickly your your talent pool just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks you speak to a client and it's shrinking again we need that we need that we need that and then your talent pool becomes that and that <laughs> that's when it becomes tough yeah and i think engineers is one i always use you know, whenever i'm speaking to to clients if you're building a facility in a location where there are no data centers and that's happening regularly now there's obviously no engineers there so where do you get where do you find them from you need to draw them in and then like you say if you've got the visa challenge that's really difficult yeah visa visa is really difficult right right across asia pacific um you know even if you're even if you're married to a, a local in some re, in some in some um, countries that doesn't give you the right to work so yeah that's really difficult and like you say that's the that's the biggest thing you're building a brand new data center in the middle of nowhere all right there's good road links well you're going to have to pay a premium for those engineers to get them there. 
No, exactly. And that, again, is a good point. Yeah. What we're seeing across the market, across the world, is salaries increasing. And that is a demand. Obviously, inflation is impacting it now, but it is a supply and demand situation at the moment globally. There's, there's not enough people in the sector which is driving the salaries up, whether they're drawing them in from other sectors because they have to pay them to attract them, or they're moving them around the organisations that are already within the sector. It is really challenging from a salary perspective at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something's got to break soon. Salaries will keep going up. That's my opinion. <laughs> until they until they start producing enough engineers themselves, I think that's the only way it will ever get solved. And, and until that point, we we do have a problem. To be honest, um, from a location perspective, you know we again you know, we work all over the place, and we know, and, and I'm sure the listeners will understand that some locations are a lot harder to recruit for than others. Are there any particular locations that you find really difficult, or, or that, you, and also that your organisations find really difficult? I think somewhere like Singapore is quite diluted. I always find that a little bit difficult. Um, and again, there's a big visa issue there. Um, that's, that doesn't help. Um, Japan is difficult, uh, but I guess, I, I guess nowhere is easy, Andy. <laughs> Everywhere you look, there is something that gives you a barrier. You know, China's difficult because because uh, they're in lockdown at the moment. Shanghai's on massive lockdown. You know, you get that thrown into the mix as well. Um, again, big cultural difference there. Um, who they want to be working with, who they see need to be seen to be working with. So every region has its 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 difficulty. Um, Japan, Japan has become a, I guess, Japan for me has become slightly less problematic. The more that you do in the country, the more feel you get for it. The more that you you build a you build a you build a build a talent pool. Um, you know, you can build a name for yourself there as well. So. Uh, like from your clients or from the organisations that, that we work with, what advice would you give to them if they're entering a new region, you know, any region really, I, I do agree that everywhere is difficult at the moment, but any specific region, what advice would you give to them about how they market themselves to candidates? It's whether the candidates are there or not. You know, to, to go and win a job in Taiwan and then expect to, to you know, to fill that with local people um, because you have to wait three months for 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 expats to get a visa. Um, you've got to think about that first before you before you actually go and win those jobs. It's um, you know you're on the back foot already. Um, I guess being in country, having something in country, is the thing that people need. If you're going to grow a region properly. You've got to be, you've got to go and, you know, certainly for like Indonesia, you've got to go and open an office. You've got to know the Philippines. You've got to open a local office. You've got to have that local local team in place to be able to attract the local population. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's good advice. And that's yeah. why a lot of people come to us initially for that key individual that's got the local knowledge isn't it you know that person that's going to establish the region got they've got the local knowledge and they they they, they understand them the nuances of 
of developing a team in that region. Yeah, and you know, if, candidates will always be wary if they don't have a base in that in that country, or don't have any link to that country, or yeah, maybe don't have anyone that's leading the business that isn't in country and um, local to that country. Yeah, and it, and going forward, obviously. We touched on it a few times. Yeah, there's, a, there's some particular regions that I think would be quite busy in, in 2022 and beyond, but are there any that you, you know, you'd like to highlight specifically? I think Indonesia and the Philippines are going to be a big growth market. Um, just again, because they're developing, you know, they're a, they're a, they're a developing country within technology. Um, China's just going to be flat out busy. Um, they've got all the tools to be able to, just yeah, build and build and build and build. Um, Japan's just yeah seeing strong growth again in Japan. Everyone seems to want to be in Japan. I think we're also yeah. seeing quite a lot, a lot of the emerging markets as well, aren't we? You know, like your Thailand, your Malaysia regions like that, where there yeah. obviously is an established data center market, but connectivity, you know, new cables, etc., is meaning they're becoming more of a hub. Yeah, and Hong Kong has been quiet for a while. That's got to come back. That will come back. Um, Singapore's had its sort of block with um, uh, not being able to build any new data centres. They've got the rules around that. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. You know, there's got to be it can't be under it's got to be under a certain megawatt, and it's got to have you know green green credentials and things like that. So yeah, there's lots of there's lots of differentiations right around the region. Also, you know, we'll keep going and going, but you can move to Australia and New Zealand where, again, Australia has seen massive growth, done quite a few podcasts recently around Australia and there's a lot of development. And then obviously New Zealand is now entering that hyperscale phase where a lot of the US cloud organisations are now moving and developing in New Zealand. So you're going to see a big growth there and talent is a big challenge in, in Australia and New Zealand as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Don't I, I, I don't even go there. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it, it's just the same replicated right across the region, isn't it? Exactly. Everywhere is busy. In, in to surmise our conversation around the APAC region, everywhere is busy, and everywhere is going to continue to be busy. That's right. That's right. So when it overtakes the US, when's it going to do that? That is the million-dollar question. Uh, I shouldn't have said dollar. Well, I guess I could have said dollar. It still works, doesn't yeah. it? I didn't say which dollar. <laughs> um, I thought we'd also just give some quick advice to the listeners again, because a lot of people reach out to me asking for, you know, how can I get a job in X country or wherever it may be? So if anyone's looking to secure a role in APAC, obviously other than reach out to you directly, which is, which is the easy answer, what advice would you give to someone looking for a new role in that region? Visas are difficult at the moment. I would, I would look first. Has your business that you work for at the moment? Are you able to transfer internally to Asia? It's okay saying I want to go to Asia, but it's having the reason to go to Asia, and then actually being able to physically go there. You know, there's some countries that you you could spend six months going round and round with visas, and still not get in. Um, so the best sometimes the best entry point is with someone is with your internal business if not obviously come and reach out and see what we can do 
And I think, and also that advice applies to organisations because we speak to a lot of candidates and some of them have been sat waiting to enter regions for six to 12 months. And that is now their reason for looking for a new role. So I think you need to be open with them from the start that it may take this long or it it might be difficult rather than recruiting someone for a role in Singapore and they sit in Australia for the next 12 months. And that, and that Andy, isn't, isn't just at engineer level, that's at leadership level that that's happening. Exactly, it's across the board. Yeah. yeah. From a experience sector, again, you know, obviously, you know, the questions we get asked a lot are, you know, I've, I've got experience in critical engineering, but not data centers. You know, can I secure a role with one of your clients? And it varies from client to client and location to cl- location. How is it in APAC? You know, do you need data center experience to be able to get a role within the data center sector? I'm seeing I've, I've just picked up some roles this week. Um, that don't necessarily require data center experience. They always put the caveat, if they've got it, brilliant. But yeah, it, it's more about it's more about sort of critical systems, engineering, but it's also around the softer skills of being able to being able to do what they need to do in that in that particular um, particular role. So yeah, having someone that actually because um, they're overseeing contractors, they want someone from a contractor background that uh, that knows contracts, that knows planning, that knows you know knows what's happening on the ground. So yeah, so we're seeing them; they're coming through, but we need to have more of them. And I think it's again, it's about organisations being a bit more open and, and thinking about it when they're recruiting. You know, like we, we could sit here and talk all day and tell people how difficult it is to find someone with five to 10 years data centre experience in, in any location in the world. But the skills they need for that person, we can probably find in another sector or with you know one to two years data centre experience. So it's about those organisations just thinking a bit more about what they need, what the, what's actually important? Is it the skills or the experience? Chicken and egg. You know, and there's some there's some roles that I've worked on. I've put someone over with four years experience and because they didn't have five years experience, they were discounted. And then they end up at a competitor that have maybe um maybe loosened their uh, loosened their requirement. One of those things that, that that really grates on me, why is it always five years experience? It's always five years. There's no logic to it, but it's always five years. And again, it's just one of those things that, you know, it's a job description or a job spec that someone's written. They've not really thought about it. You know, they just think five years, that's a good solid experience. But if we ask them, why is it five years? They wouldn't be able to explain to us why specifically it has to be five years. It's because someone's told them it's got to be five years. Exactly. So all we're trying to say here, and I think all we're trying to highlight really is if anyone's listening, really consider when you're recruiting. Don't just, you know, go with a standard job description. Don't particularly look for experience if it's not the most important factor. Consider the attributes, the skills, etc. before you go out there searching for the needle in a haystack that you probably will never find. Yeah. To close... Obviously, we shared quite a lot of you know advice already, but yeah, the, the one question I ask everyone on the podcast is, if you could give one piece of advice to anyone looking to work in the data center sector, what would it be? Um, the biggest one is don't give up. Um, there will be critical points where the industry will run out of experience. That's that's a given, you know, we, we, we've, and especially if we're asking them for more and more experience. 
they'll have no choice to look from other sectors. So, yeah, I think the big thing is don't give up. You know, plan your goal, know what you want, um, you know, um, and when you get to interview, be able to sell yourself on the, on the roles that you've already done. Um, make those make those transferable skills, highlight those transferable skills and make them feel comfortable that those transferable skills will work in a data center. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And one again, another one of my bugbears, I seem to be uh, sort of airing on my laundry today, but yeah. is CVs, you know, like those people that say, oh, you need a one-page CV or a two-page CV. It's all, it's, none of that is correct. What you need to do is amend your CV to the role you're applying for and highlight the skills and attributes and experience that you have that's specifically important for that position. Yeah, great. Great advice, you know. And as well, we, uh, I guess, I guess this is one of our key benefits using using someone like us. Um, rather than you just send the CV to the to 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 a job advert, and if you haven't got that experience, they'll they'll just discount it. Whereas if we're talking to these guys on a daily basis, they're tasking us to find these people. If we can sell that, we can we can probably give you access to that first foot in the door. Then it's over to you. No, definitely. Again, and obviously, you know, I don't want it to sound like a, a sales pitch, but we do know what we're doing, and we you know, we do work with the, probably some of the best organisations in the sector. So, hopefully, if you do need any advice, you can reach out to us. You know, and even if we don't find you a job, we will genuinely try and help you to to secure a new role. Hundred percent. Thanks for that. Really enjoyed it. Hopefully it's given the listeners a bit of an insight into what it's like for us on the other side of the fence. You know, we don't just uh, find CVs and send them to clients. There's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And and I'm sure you're happy that if anybody listening is either recruiting for someone in the sector in the APAC region or looking to work in the APAC region, they can reach out to you directly and you'll be happy to have a conversation. 100%. Yeah, look look forward to, look forward to hearing from anyone really, both candidate and client. Um, to, to, to discuss the, what they're looking for. Uh, that, no doubt they'll be requiring a senior project director in Tokyo with 10 years data center experience. Yeah, of course, all the time. I've got 10 of them all lined up, ready to go. So get them off the tree. Thanks for your time today. Anyway, obviously enjoyed that chat. As I say, hopefully it has yeah. added some value to the listeners. I'm sure it has. And, and obviously, you know, we'll catch up again later today as we work together, but yeah. If anyone's got any questions, feel free to reach out to us. Cheers, Andy. Cheers, mate. Take care. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.